0: Welcome to the Clear Admit MBA admissions podcast. I'm Graham Richmond and this is your wiretaps for Monday, April 4th, 2022. I'm joined by Alex Brown from Cornwall, England. Alex, how are things going this week? Very good. Thank you, Graham. So man, (laughs) what a week or several weeks here. I mean, you know, this past week we had, you know, Harvard, Stanford, all that stuff. And it just comes on top of all the results that have been coming out over the last few weeks. But where do things stand? Are we done? Uh, What's coming up, if anything? What what do we do?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Harvard and Stanford were obviously the big programs um, last week releasing decisions. I mean, obviously, we're recording this from last week. So we're seeing currently a lot of Stanford activity um, on the site. This upcoming week, um, it is going to be Sloan um, and actually Johnson in terms of releasing decisions. But they basically wrap up the the, the, the round two rounds of sort of decision releases. Um, so, yeah, hopefully, over the last three or four weeks, up, including this upcoming week, um, several listeners have had some great offers because that's, you know, the bulk of round two is now, will now be completed. The application deadlines for round three are also sort of now sort of rolling out at a more rapid pace. So we're switching gears to round three. We do know that Harvard doesn't have a round three. So they're done mm-hmm. other than their two plus two program and the deadline for that will be um, later um, in April. Right. Um, but yeah, no, the round two is pretty much in the background.
0: Yeah. Um, so it's been exciting, a lot of fun. I did want to say, You know, we don't ask for much on the show or even on our site. You know, we provide tons of info and insight and it's really all free um, for people. And so I did want to ask people to try to pay it forward or, you know, I know you and I debate, is it pay it back, pay it forward um, by submitting interview reports. If you had interviews at top schools or even by just sharing a decision wire post where you summarize, here's where I applied, here's where I got in. These are the dollar amounts, my scholarships, here are my numbers, et cetera. Um, those posts are really useful to the community as they, you know, help to decide where to go, where to apply, et cetera. So if you're thinking that you like Clear Admit and you like this podcast, we would really appreciate it. If you could just take a moment, fill out a decision wire entry, or submit an interview report, do whatever you can to give back to the community. I would also argue that even just hanging out on the site and leaving comments or helping others who are just now starting to apply is so useful. Um, and so, and actually Alex, we've kind of introduced or reintroduced an incentive program for the folks leaving comments on our site. Right. So we have, I think people have noticed that if you get a number of likes on the comments that you leave on the site, you get a star. And, and I think it's what 30 likes gets you one star, 60 likes gets you two. And what is it? 90 gets you three. Is that, am I getting this right, Alex? (laughs) You're getting it right. So what we're doing now is If you get one star, we're gonna send you a $10 Amazon gift card. If you get a second star, we're gonna send you a $20 Amazon gift card. And if you make it all the way to three stars, that's 90 likes, um, you can get a $50. Amazon gift card. So we, we're introducing that. We did it last year. It was a lot of fun, and it's just a way to encourage everyone to help each other out, leave comments, all that stuff. So um, yeah, that'll be fun. And you're gonna you're keeping track of this, right?
1: <laughs> I, I am trying to keep track of it. So yeah, no, absolutely brilliant. And you know, you you also go back to this idea of of, of putting a, an an entry on Decision Wire. I mean, I think Decision Wire is. Well, I'm a bit biased, but I think it's our best tool in as much as it's a really good uh, reflection of, you know, where people choose to apply, where they then get gained admissions, where they then decided to enroll. And the reason why I'm talking about this is it's a really good sort of assessment of the marketplace in terms of where, where customers candidates choose to go based on their choices where they choose to apply and so forth. Yeah. And I know we're going to talk about a ranking in uh, momentarily and I yeah <laughs> this this is a good segue into the validity of a ranking versus maybe more sort of marketplace based insight in terms of where customers choose to go
0: yeah, so let's get into that. I mean, i'll we'll just dive in. I, I you know, we as you know, the US News MBA rankings came out last week, and we did an article about it. I kind of weighed in and stuff. but yeah, I wondered what what your take was, and I, I don't know if um, you know, for those kind of tuning in who don't have the rankings handy, Wharton and Chicago were tied at the top. Then we had uh, Kellogg and Stanford tied for third, and Harvard and MIT tied in the fifth slot. Um, and, you know, it goes on from there. You can look on our website or over at U.S. News if you want to see the full ranking. But there were some interesting, there was some interesting movement. What do you make of the ranking, Alex? I know that historically you've been a big fan of U.S. News and their NBA ranking, you know, often touting it as probably the best of the lot.
1: Yeah, I mean, in terms of U.S. programs, obviously. So that's all we're focusing on in the U.S. News rankings. And I do think they are the standard bearer. For what we would call ordinal rankings. Sure. And they usually get it quite right um, in terms of an ordinal ranking. But this year, I'm a little bit bemused um, <laughs> when, when you've got Stanford tied at number three, Harvard tied at number five. And we just know through our years of sort of experience and looking at decision wire data and various other things that. Um, Really, Harvard and Stanford sit at the top of the pile in in their own tier. Wharton's just behind them. And then the rest of the M7 are behind Wharton. And then, you know, so so we've come up with this sort of tiered-based ranking system versus an ordinal ranking system. And we can go into detail on why tiers make more sense than an ordinal, but I don't know that that's what we want to cover in today's episode. (laughs) But nevertheless, for the first time this year, I'm less impressed with with um US news is assessment right at the top. Um because neither Harvard or Stanford is is at the top of the heap. Um Wharton absolutely tied for number one. Again, I mean we're we're obviously a bit biased towards Wharton with our history with Wharton, but but um but again if you look at decision wire data and if you've been in, around the industry for several years you'll recognize that it's harvard stanford wharton harvard stanford in either order wharton maybe just a tad behind in terms of customer choice yeah um, and that's just not getting reflected now there's also some other interesting movements and so forth that have been heavily quoted i mean yale moving up to number seven i mean yale Yeah, they're a reasonably new MBA program in the history of the MBA degree. So it makes sense that they've continued on a steady rise over several, several years. U.S. News now puts them in at number seven. I still think they're in that next tier down, that sort of eight to 10 or 11. And that's mixed in with Haas um, and Tuck. And possibly Stern, yeah. Um, and then below that you have another tier of schools that includes sort of Darden, and um, um, Duke, um, and, and 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 Johnson and UCLA and stuff. And and again, US News almost gets that order correct, but yeah, th- there's a little bit of debate. But at the end of the day, you know, if you look at their sort of top twenty, twenty two, yes, they've got the right schools. No, they're not in exactly the right order, and a tiered ranking system is better.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, obviously, like you said, they've got the right schools. They're all there across the top 16 or even top 20. You know, that's the, the usual suspects. But yeah, some of the order is a little funny. I, I will say, you know, just to be clear here, what we've done is over the years we've just analyzed from DecisionWire data where do people go when they get into a bunch of different schools, and does there seem to be an implied packing order just based on the way the market behaves? Right. And so I love this because it's just a market-driven ranking. I, you know, we call it a tiered ranking because again. Again, we don't think that there's any material difference between, say, Chicago, MIT, Columbia, and uh, Kellogg, because it really depends on the candidate and where they want to go and what you know what they want to do with their career. So you know, there's a tier there, like you're saying. And I think the same thing's true with these other groupings that you've mentioned. It's kind of silly that people hash it out. Oh, you know, is Yale really number seven or should they be number eight? Um, You know, it it just starts to get a a little ridiculous. And, you know, obviously we are seeing a number of ties (laughs) this year uh, in in the groups and, and that's kind of amusing to me too. But in any event, I mean, I will say there were some schools that made some bigger jumps. You know, Emory kind of jumps up to number 21 from 26. This year, uh, Ross ended up cracking the top 10, landing at uh, number 10 after coming in at 13 last year. So there's been some interesting movements. And the only other one that was a big mover that I can think of is uh, Notre Dame-Mendoza. Jumped from like 36 to 25, uh, which was impressive as well. So, But yeah, I, I agree. I think there's a flaw in the kind of ordinal ranking. I also should mention that I, I went through the data, and I'm no statistician, um, and I'm sure people will have, have looked at it even in more depth than I have, but it did seem to me like the factor that's limiting the likes of Harvard and Stanford from coming out ahead of Booth and Wharton, for example, seems to be that a lesser percentage of their graduate graduating class are getting jobs but you know, by by graduation time or within three months, and you know, some of that, I think a big chunk of it is because there are a lot of Harvard and Stanford grads going out and starting their own companies, and and so they're not reflected in these numbers. Um, maybe they're not even earning much money either, right? So, so I don't know if it makes sense to essentially penalize schools that foster entrepreneurial <laughs> endeavors. So, in any event, that that seems to be what's happening. I could be misreading the way that the methodology works, but it it feels like. Wharton and Chicago are getting really high marks because they have great stats both inbound with respect to admission statistics and outbound with respect to placing a large percentage of their graduates. So in any event, I, I'll leave it there. But yeah, this is, it's always fun to debate these rankings when they come out.
1: Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I have a few comments though on on what you just said. So yeah. we, this might be a longer episode than usual. <laughs> yeah. um, in terms of this desirability to get jobs, this is a really interesting point that you bring up and it seems to have penalized Harvard and Stanford in these rankings. So there are two things, or, or you could look at it in a couple of different ways. One is yes, US News needs to tweak its algorithm or whatever you call it, so it can come up with a, a better assessment, um, and, and maybe sort of reducing the weight of this this um, this this employed, um, a, a, you know, directly after um, the MBA versus wanting to do their own thing, entrepreneurship. But also, I was reading on the Reddit discussion thread, there's a fantastic conversation over there on Reddit really sort of debating this ranking. And, and another um, Redditor um, suggested, actually, there are folks at Stanford and Harvard, possibly, that aren't looking at, Well, it's not that they're not looking for jobs, but because of their their, their personal wealth and their family situation, they don't have the urgency, necessarily, to chase after that first job directly out of the MBA, and have, can afford to take the time to look for something that's more optimal, and so forth. So, there's a their, their suggestion is a little bit of that at play, and I just thought that was a really interesting argument that I hadn't necessarily heard of before. Now, in terms of these sort of jump jumping up and down um, in the rankings. Emory jumping up to, um, what, what is it, number 21. Well, frankly, Graham, they're in that tier. Yeah, uh, They should be in that 17 to 21 tier. So congratulations, US News, for getting it right and putting them in the right place. Mendoza, again, I think it, they're now in that correct tier. Um, they're in the sort of tier below Emery, but w- w- what are they? They're tied at twenty-five, so that makes sense to me too. And congratulations to Ross. Yeah. I mean, they again, they're in that tier that can include number ten um, or maybe number eleven, but just behind potentially Hass, um, Yale, and 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 um, Tuck, um, and and so forth. Um, so, so none of that uh, makes uh, surprises me. Now, I, I just I, a couple of things I was thinking about this morning, uh, my time this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, what does this really mean? Let's say for a school like Chicago that's tied for number one, or a school like Ross that jumps to number ten. You know and I, and I I teach a lot of marketing and I, and we in marketing we use this sort of funnel um, um, framework right so when when you 're trying to sort of sell someone a product you 've got to build awareness you 've got to gain interest and then you 've got to convert. I do think when when someone does really well in a ranking, like, like Booth in this case, that might spike that awareness, um, which which may be very good, maybe they'll get some additional applications because of this jump. Mm-hmm. But will it affect conversions? Once candidates have gone through the, the process of the admissions process and really start to get a much deeper understanding of the different programs that make best sense for them. Um, does does a, a, a leap in a ranking a effect fact convergence. I don't know so much. It would. I do think once you've been through that sort of customer journey, as we would call it, and you're weighing your offer of, of Harvard, uh, let's say it's tied at number five versus Booth at um, number one. I, I'm, I'm not sure how much weight you'll 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 give that U.S. News ranking at that point. Yeah. I know we spent a long time on this, but <laughs> I think this is super interesting stuff.
0: And that's a really interesting point in the sense that. I don't think it's going to impact Booth's ability to win head-to-heads with Harvard or or maybe even Stanford, but I think what could happen is if it consistently ranks number one and you continue to see Kellogg at three and MIT at five and Columbia at whatever they are, eight or nine, um, maybe Booth starts to win more of those uh, head-to-heads within the kind of tier that they're, you know, we would argue they're kind of similar schools. But yeah, yeah so it's just interesting. We'll see how it all evolves. Again, love to discuss this stuff. Um, and I've, I've also been following some of the discussion on our site and over on Reddit. So yeah, very, very fun. This is, this is kind of that time of year. And I agree, U.S. News... You know, it's kind of a little strange this year, but they do tend to be, as you say, the standard bear, the, they're the ranking that people look at for U.S. programs. So um, moving right along, I did want to mention that we finally have like a merchandise shop. I don't know. You, you've seen all the designs. I know Lauren on our team helped develop those with Mike and they're, they're up in, uh, you know, we've got them up online. And so we now have like t-shirts and mugs and all this kind of fun stuff related to wiretaps related to live wire. And so, yeah, just, I encourage people to check that stuff out. I've had a lot of fun um, looking at the new designs that the team has, has come up with. But Alex, do you have a favorite design in the t-shirt category?
1: Of course. Keep calm and listen to wiretaps.
0: <laughs> I figured you would say. Yeah, so um, everyone can check those out. That We've had a lot of fun there. We put up an article on the website that features, uh, you know, links to where you can grab the shirts and stuff. Uh, other than that, over on the site, we continue to release real humans pieces. I'll be really brief this week because I know we want to get to our candidates. But we did feature, there's kind of three alums that we profiled. One is this guy named Chris Shoemaker, who graduated from Carnegie Mellon Tepper in 2016 and is now a VP at Bank of America um, in Investment Banking. He was an electrical engineer and then a digital marketer. So he's kind of done it all um, over the course of his career. And you know, he just gave some really nice advice in his piece where he talked about using the MBA as a time to explore. And I don't think he meant career options. I think he really meant like, there's literally a line from him where he says, go travel, go to events, sign up for things on campus that you're not sure about, but just try them out. And he mentioned business school is really your last chance to do some of this stuff for a long time. So yeah, just really, you know, going sort of headlong into the MBA experience was his recommendation. So I had a lot of fun reading that. But is,
1: is he saying that he didn't enjoy his time in Pittsburgh and he's got to get out of the place?
0: No, no, I think he's saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I, yeah, but I, I think he, um, I mean, he's clearly done really well. It's pretty yeah. impressive the, the kind of career trajectory he's been on. Yeah. Uh, then we also heard from Lillian Izura. Uh, She is a Duke Fuqua grad from just class 21 and she's now a consultant at BCG. She's originally from Nigeria but had been working in Texas and oil and gas for Halliburton and has kind of shifted into consulting and you know her advice was similar. I mean I, I guess more on the academic side but she said you know take as many experiential learning opportunities as possible and she said that um, she only kind of started to do that later in her MBA, and wished she had kind of you know dove into that stuff uh, earlier on. Um, so that was kind of cool just to hear her trajectory. I just love to see all these career switchers too. It's just you know fascinating. Yeah. And then the last one we have is someone who's making dreams come true as a marketing strategy manager for Disneyland Resorts. Mm. Um, and so and this is a woman named Casey Brown. She went to USC Marshall, graduated in '19. And yeah, she was working in like manufacturing before. And so again, using the MBA to to do a career pivot. And, you know, she mentioned that the big thing for her is that you don't, from from her perspective, you don't have to land your dream job right when you graduate from business school, that it's okay to like do an internship and decide that it's not for you and, you know, kind of take a different path Um, and she kind of is in. I think she's in her kind of dream role now and maybe wasn't there initially or something. So she just was kind of saying like, look, you know, I went and I interned at what I thought was going to be my dream company when I was at USC. And during that internship, she realized, you know what, this is not. What I want to do, um, and so she pivoted and, and found another path, and is really happy as a result. So, yeah, just fun to hear from these actual <laughs> MBA grads and and the journeys that they've taken.
1: Back to the second alum. Yeah. Do you know how um, Duke um, um, explains or teaches its candidates to to? to, to uh, how they say the name of their business school.
0: I, I, I can't remember. I know that you've told me, but it's something to do with the
1: word few, right? Few. Qualify. Yeah. Few qua.
0: Yeah. Few qua. Few qualify. There you go. <laughs> um, what
1: about Amory? How does Amory do it? I,
0: I don't even know. We got to get um, Melissa Rapp on the podcast. She's the admissions director there and have her give us a lesson on how to properly say Guizetta. I think that's how you say it, but Guisetta, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure, but that's a tough one. I always have trouble spelling it too. So, yeah. <laughs> um, in any event, uh, let's get into our candidates. The only other thing I wanted to mention is that I had Lisa Rios, who's the admissions director at NYU. Stern, come and do an admissions director Q and A podcast episode, and that aired last week. Encourage people to check that out. She's such a wonderful person. I had a great time chatting with her. And so, if you're interested in NYU Stern, you would be foolish not to listen <laughs> to this episode. So, um give it a yeah, give it a whirl. Uh, other than that, yeah, we don't have any fan mail, Alex or
1: I. I got to ask though. I'm not letting letting you off that line. <laughs> did did your uh, um, in your podcast with Stern? Did they explain? How how they like to frustrate candidates in terms of when they release their decisions?
0: <laughs> she did explain that it's all rolling within each round, and so there's no set, you know, kind of like, oh, we're going to issue everyone invites on this date. It really is a kind of, you know, um, rolling by the individual candidacy uh, process, and that's why some people, you know, take longer to go through. They need extra reads, whatever it might be. So yeah, but I, I know we've seen that on Livewire where some candidates kind of, you know, are scratching their head about when am I going to hear and. It, you know, it just, yeah, it's a school that takes a little bit longer than some of their peers, or at least is less regimented in terms of like when stuff's going to happen, which can create some frustration. Yeah. Very good. Um, so uh, other than that, yeah, there was no fan mail, no reviews. I'm I'm kind of uh, wondering, although we are racking up the ratings on Spotify. I think we have a five star rating with, I don't know, 40 or 50 Uh, ratings at this point. So that's great. Uh, Other than that, should we get into our candidates? I know you spent some time going through and finding really interesting folks for us to profile this week. Yeah, we
1: better hurry up.
0: (laughs) Kick on. Let's kick on. All right. So this is Wiretap's candidate number one. So this is an apply wire entry that we received and this candidate is looking to start in 23. So they're kind of an early bird. Uh, It's a candidate who's been uh, in the Marines. Um, They... I guess they've got a GPA of 3.42, which they earned at Columbia University as an undergrad. I think they studied history there. Uh, yeah, they've been in the Marines. They're currently located in California. They would love to land in New York, and they want to work in investment banking. So they want to go military to investment banking, and they've got companies like Bank of America, Barclays, Capital One, all the you know Goldman, J.P. Morgan, all the usual suspects, and you know, they they posted, I guess they still need to get the test done. Um, They took some diagnostic tests with the GRE, and I think they had a score of 321, but they haven't yet taken it for real. Uh, So they posted to the site. I did want to mention the schools that they're currently considering are Columbia for early decision, Cornell, Georgetown, NYU Stern, and Wharton, and again, they want to get into banking, and they're coming from the Marines. So, Alex, yeah, what do you make of this candidate? Any other kind of bits of info that you want to share as we assess here?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is a really interesting candidate because it, you know the, the liberal arts degree or you know history degree um, from Colombia's yeah, presumably a, a, a good um, a good degree, but but a history degree into the Marines um and and now as they're, they're going for their mba they want to pursue investment banking now typically um, a military candidate is going to come come out and maybe after the mba do do consulting i would say consulting is probably the, the the majority choice
0: or operations yeah
1: consulting or operations and then moving into a sort of an operations role in the longer term that's what we see a lot from our military candidates. So this candidate stood out to me, Graham, um, in terms of they wanna go in investment banking, they have a liberal arts degree, they got a, a, a very, I would assume a, a very strong military experience. Is investment banking accessible to this candidate?
0: Yeah, that's the big question. I mean, I think it, it is, although <laughs> I would, if I were the admissions officer, I would be looking at the transcript for any evidence of kind of quantitative experience with, you know, coursework. And I I know they mentioned that before they ended up majoring in history, I think they, didn't they say they were doing something else? I I
1: can't remember. Pre-med, pre-med.
0: Yeah. And so I do wonder if that, you know, means that they had some, you know, kind of good quantitative coursework. Of course, you know, I'd want to know what the grades were. They mentioned that's why my GPA is on the lower end, which made me a little nervous. If all the quant pre-med courses were bad, you know, lower grades, that could be concerning. Although they have a three, four overall. So I I doubt they have any really bad grades, um, given, you know, so yeah, but that is, you, you would look for evidence and they do mention they do a lot of with like personal finance, but you know, investing in the market on your own, that does not make someone, the admissions reader, think that you're necessarily
1: a quant genius or anything. Right. right. I mean, they're, they're going to take MBA math, right? Yeah. Which I think is very important for them. Um, in terms of their test score, they, they're really going to have to show on the quant side of their test score some, some strength. Um, and, and, you know, like you say, I, I don't think they're taking the test yet. Um, and they're beefing up that quant side, but that quant test score is going to need to be strong. MBA math is going to to, to should be used to show evidence. Um, they obviously have a passion for finance, and and this is why they want to take this this step. Um, but you you know just and and I think that they're obviously smart enough to recognise that they've got to show this evidence um, in, in order to to set themselves up. Um, But if they do show this evidence, Graham, what you're saying is, yes, investment banking absolutely is um, accessible. And presumably um, in that sort of recruiting process to investment banking, there's there's a lot of training that goes on anyway to get those sort of new recruits sort of up to speed.
0: Yeah, and I would argue that you know they can, uh, in some cases, it depends on the program, but they can when they get to business school, they can make sure that first semester is rich in finance-related coursework, so that by the time January, February comes around and they're recruiting for banking jobs, they can point to some grades and right. and, and you know track record in in quant coursework. I will say, yeah, on their diagnostic for the GRE, their quant is coming in at around a seventieth percentile. So I would, yeah, I would if I were them, I would look to boost that uh, as a way to just demonstrate. I, I don't know if you wanted to mention it, but I, I wanted to talk about also just the fact that they're targeting Colombia. Uh, they are, I believe they're also kind of first gen Asian American, right? And so I, I guess I wondered what you thought of like, does this is an Asian male first gen to go to college, I guess. Right. And so they, they went to Columbia. So there's like a lot to like here, but I also wonder to what extent are they overrepresented or or not? I I don't know. It's sort of a, it's a little bit of a wild card because they have, you know, a lot of interesting facets to their background.
1: Yeah. I mean, are they overrepresented? I probably, when you, when you add everything up, they're probably not overrepresented, but the fact is they 're targeting colombia they 're targeting early decision that 's very good if they're targeting Colombia and don 't apply early decision, that would be a problem i think yeah, yeah. Um, for them in terms of Colombia admissions um, certainly also targeting Wharton makes a lot of sense um, in terms of wanting to move into investment banking, as does cornell Johnson quite frankly they're, they're you know they 're out of you know all 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 the top programs johnson's um, finance recruits the majority are directly into investment banking. We know yeah. that. So mm-hmm. so I, I like their, 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 their target schools. I know another concern that you had is that sort of double dipping going from Columbia history um, to Columbia for your MBA. But if you want to be in New York City in investment banking and they want to stay in investment banking in the long run, right? I got to imagine maybe having an MBA um, from the best school that you can get into, even if it is a double dip, is probably the right, the right, Strategy in, um, for this candidate.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, my point to them was, I guess, I'm, I'm thinking if they could go to Wharton, which is also on their yeah, list, yeah. that would give them the benefit of getting into an additional network. Um, so they'd have the Penn network and the Columbia network um, on their resume and in their, you know, Rolodex. So. Yeah, that was the only thing I was wondering. And and I think obviously some of this will depend on how the testing goes and and how they're able to put together their applications because Wharton's never going to be a, a walk in the park for anybody to get into. So, yeah. but I would say if I, yeah, if they got into all these schools, I would say don't double dip as a rule, like why not expand your network and and so on. Uh, But you're right, if they're going to be in New York and, you know, obviously Columbia or or Stern would be terrific options too. So they have the right schools on the list. I did wonder about maybe a booth or something, but I recognize they can't apply everywhere. And I, I think they're looking for schools to add, they have Georgetown on their list. So they're looking probably for schools to add that, you know, round out a a kind of grouping of programs, right? From different tiers. So in any event, yeah, interesting candidacy. And I want to wish them the best of luck. Thank them for their service. I feel like, you know, this guy's got a good head on his shoulders and he's, you know, thinking through all the right next steps. And yeah, I was just pleased that he shared the profile and that we could weigh in.
1: Yeah. And the critical success factor or the the, the thing that's really going to sway is, where that quant score comes in on the test score. So best of luck in prepping um, and for that, I would think.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was gonna say, I wonder if they should take the GMAT, which is known to be quantitatively more, maybe a little more rigorous, um, and if they wanna go into banking, and they're only applying to business schools. But in any event, that's a whole other (laughs) kettle of fish. But I I feel like they, you know, whatever the case, they gotta do well on the test. So um, let's move on though, and talk about wiretaps candidate number two. So this is another Apply Wire entry. It's for a candidate, again, who's kind of an early bird looking to start in the fall of 23. This person has five schools on the target list, and those schools are Berkeley, Duke, Harvard, Michigan, and Kellogg. They have been working in healthcare strategy and consulting. And post-MBA, they list tech, but they mention in their notes kind of healthcare tech as a possibility. Um, The companies they listed, though, were big kind of tech companies. So Apple, Amazon, Google, you know, the usual suspects there. So they're still trying to figure out their career path, whether it's pure tech or maybe healthcare-related tech. They've got a GPA of 3.2 and uh, three and a half years of work experience. They have yet to take the standardized test, but they are expecting to get a 750 on the GMAT. That's what they're um, at least (laughs) uh, promising us. They went to a top 15 university for undergrad, and they had a liberal arts uh, kind of undergrad with a, with a business minor. They mentioned that they have an upward trend in the GPA. So the 3-2 uh, you know, is, is um, a little bit a result of kind of poor performance at the beginning. Uh, other than that, they you know, have a lot of different uh, promotions that they can tout. They've been very focused on healthcare throughout their career, and they do some extracurriculars. Things seem to be in line there on that front and they're still kind of thinking through what it is that they want to do post MBA because they're hesitating between product management with maybe just tech or healthcare you know related stuff but moving out of the kind of you know healthcare payers and providers and more into the kind of um, services and products side of it so I'll leave it there Alex what do you make of this candidate?
1: Well, if 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 she gets the seven fifty on the GMAT, I'd be like, that's absolutely fantastic. I mean, I can't imagine how smart someone must be to expect a seven fifty on the GMAT, having you know, obviously several hundred years ago taken the test myself. But <laughs> um, but you know, if we could take her at, at her word, and I'm 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 assuming this female candidate just by their username. Um, then, then that's absolutely fantastic. Um, their their um, GPA is is a little lower than average, so obviously an outstanding um, GMAT is going to sort of offset that a little bit. What I really like about this candidate is their work experience. Sounds like it's probably super strong. They've also done some good stuff in their extracurriculars, um, and I know your advice is going to be double down on healthcare with the goals. Um, and stick to it, whether it's healthcare tech or healthcare more generally. Um, and, and I think if they do that, um, then yeah, this is, this, this is a, an M7 candidate um, all the way, assuming that's 750 on the GMAT. So um, Wharton's missing from their, their their list of target schools, but other, and maybe even Stanford, but other than that, yeah, I think a very strong candidate, Graham.
0: Yeah, I was puzzled a little bit as to, yeah, I think if they do double down and go healthcare all the way, then, you know, applying to the Wharton Healthcare Management Program, which, again, is just a a major in in the MBA program there that you have to pre-declare. It's the only one that I can think of at any school where you tell them what you want to major in before, but it it sort of um, puts you on a different track to getting into the program because you have a slightly different process. Um, but it's often a really great way to sort of differentiate yourself as you apply there. I, I wasn't, yeah, you know, it was unclear to me as to why, if, if healthcare is the focus, you know, I see Kellogg, I see Duke, uh, Harvard, we know places a number of people in healthcare. So I was puzzled not to see Wharton. It could be, you know, maybe this person doesn't want to be... Um, in Philly, or so I have no idea what what it could be. Or maybe when they say they went to a top fifteen university, maybe they went to Penn undergrad or something, and they don't want to go back. Or
1: uh, Penn's not top fifteen. Oh, isn't it? No, it's Ivy.
0: I know it's Ivy, but I I think it might now be. I, don't, I haven't looked at the U.S. News undergrad rankings, but they've been you know, really doing quite well, even within the
1: Ivies these days, but. Yeah, but they wouldn't call themselves a top 15 if they're an Ivy, Oh, you're that's okay. my point. That was actually part of that Reddit thread, which <laughs> I absolutely loved, yeah.
0: So the question yeah. is, is what is a top 15 university? Does that mean it's sort of like a top 15 public university? or
1: a... It means it's ranked 14 or 15.
0: Right, right, obviously, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But in any event, yeah, I wondered like, is this, I mean, would you say, uh, I wonder if this person went to like a Wesleyan or a, yeah. you know or a Middlebury or something. But those, are, I think, someone would say a top fifteen liberal arts college. So, in any event, um, I mean, she went to a good school. Yeah, I, I would just it's it feels to me like you know get she could get a lot of mileage out of playing the healthcare angles yeah. as you you mentioned. And I, I agree, if the GMAT comes in where she says it's going to, everything else lines up really well. Um, I did since this is an early bird candidate, and I don't know if she mentioned it. Um, And assuming again, from the uh, user handle that this is a woman, I would hope that she's tapped into the Forte foundation and all this kind of services that they offer for female candidates yeah. um, going through the process because that can be really helpful too with mentors and things. So in any event, yeah, I think that's a great candidacy and, you know, appreciate you picking it out. And um, anything else on this one? No,
1: I wish them the best of luck. And if they score that 750 on the GMAT, that's absolutely fantastic.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. All right. Um, let's move on and talk about Wiretap's candidate number three. So this is a Decision Wire entry, and it's from a candidate who is undecided about where to go. They applied to Duke, Harvard, Kellogg, Darden, and Yale, and they were admitted to Duke, where they have a $50,000 scholarship. Uh, Kellogg, where they have a $20,000 scholarship. Darden with 40k, and Yale uh, with no money. They were actually admitted to Yale off of the waitlist in, in round two after having been waitlisted in round one. They're going to be starting school this fall. They would love to work in tech. And they mentioned companies like Amazon, Apple, Google, Microsoft, Tesla. I, you know, the GMAT score is a 720, the GPA a 3.76. And this candidate's located in Portland. um, And they mentioned that, you know, they applied in round one to all these schools and they were thrilled to get into the ones that they got into, which were UVA, Kellogg, and Duke. Um, And then they basically decided, I'm going to go to Kellogg. And then they just heard, you know, with the acceptance from Yale, and they're feeling torn. And they said, on paper, it seems like Kellogg is the right choice because of its higher rank and the scholarship that they have from the school, as well as job opportunities for their spouse. But is there anything I'm missing, they say. The Yale brand is so strong. So what what, what do you make of this? Because it's an interesting dilemma. I mean, given that they'd already kind of decided where to go.
1: Yeah, I don't think they're missing anything, Graham. They got Kellogg and I think even a little bit of money at kellogg but you know i think kellogg suits them very very well and um yeah i mean i didn't look at the comparable position in the u.s news rankings kellogg to yale but i'm sure kellogg was above yale even though yale jumped into that number seven spot not that again (laughs) we we necessarily fans of that method of selecting schools but i mean historically kellogg's renowned. Um, you know they're they're terrific in in many different disciplines. They've got a huge alumni network. Yale, yes, the university brand is outstanding, um, but in the business school circles, that Kellogg brand, especially in the US, is is would would, would be my choice.
0: Yeah. You know, this is interesting. So as I was reading the profile, it, it seemed familiar to me and and the user handle was familiar and I did some digging and, and we had profiled this candidate on an early episode of, you know, wiretaps many moons ago. And, um, and I you know, I, I remembered that this candidate said they might want to go and work in the Southeast when they were done and that they might want to work in kind of um, communications or kind of a marketing type role. Uh, and so, you know, thinking about that again, I, I come back to Kellogg makes sense. Kellogg has really good sort of Geographic uh, placements in terms of covering the map. Yeah, obviously, Duke places more people in the southeast than any of the programs on this list. But if we're going based on the fact that they've got some money from Kellogg, and Kellogg is, you know, arguably in a in a tier above. Then you start to get into, you know, right back to where they have started, which is Kellogg. And they're, they're not debating Duke, it seems. They're really, you know, debating Kellogg or now Yale. Um, Yale not giving them any money as well, I think makes it a hard sell. And, and so, yeah, I just, I'm not really seeing it, especially if you think about, you know, they mentioned their job opportunities for their spouse if they go to Chicago. So I don't know. I feel like they um, probably need to stick, you know, stand their ground and, and go with their original plan here. <laughs>
1: yeah I mean it would make more sense to me if this um query was the other way around, right if they'd got admitted to Yale, they'd matriculated at Yale and then came off the wait list at Kellogg um then yeah maybe there's there's a bit of a, a conversation there, but I'm not getting it this way around quite frankly, Graham, that you've already matriculated you're already bought into a cult you know a, a decision I think. This shouldn't um, sway them from a decision they've already made.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting because they mentioned in one of the comments that one thing that they like about Yale is the geographic element in terms of being close to New York City and other East Coast metros. but. So I don't know, maybe they've shifted over the, you know, m- remember they posted to ApplyWire many moons ago. And so maybe they've shifted their goal in terms of this Atlanta thing or something. And so maybe they're thinking they might want to land in New York. Or um, would that change your mind? Like if we knew they wanted to work in New York? No. You'd still say Kellogg. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, especially because they've already matriculated there. So they've already sort of gone gone down that pathway a little bit. There's, Yeah, it would be very difficult for me to think that... An admissions offer from a, a a program that is considered a tier below, mm-hmm. um, with less of a financial aid package, makes makes sense. Yeah, I, I, it, for me, it's Kellogg.
0: Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Okay, um, well, I want to thank you as always for picking out these candidates for us to discuss this week. Uh, again, lots of cool <laughs> things going on between the rankings and, and all these new, you know, clear admit t-shirts and, <laughs> and great content over on the website. So we yeah, had a lot of fun to, to do this episode this week. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Wiretaps. Uh, Alex, yeah, thanks again for doing this.
1: Brilliant. Um, take care, everyone. Stay safe.